and we are live hi guys welcome to an episode of the Sportsman podcast i'm your host david and today's episode it's a bit exciting for me i mean for obvious reasons right premier league is back tomorrow 5th of august um <laughs> i'm so happy i mean i've not been this excited in a long time listen i mean i love football right but it's not apart from maybe it's not just not just because of sports i mean yes there's excitement of you know looking forward to watching sports again but you know the feel the, the the football banter the feel of watching football every weekend please oh jesus i'm so happy my beautiful football is back <laughs> now there's a lot of teams to look out for this is exciting so i'll talk about I'll, I'll go through the fixtures we have um this on the first weekend of the of the of the, of, um, the premier league season 22 23 season and i will also give my thoughts on who i think won i, I think i have to just talk about i don't make predictions i don't talk about who's gonna win the league gonna do this but i just want to talk about who i think will be the dark horse like who i think when i mean dark horse not dark horse for the league but a team that everybody should be should be, should be worried about we've always had them every season right we had wolves in i think 17 18 season it was wolves then uh, 17 18 or 18 19 season it was wolves then there was Sheffield United in the 1920 season. Then I think last season it was Brentford towards the end of the season. Though there was a team that you always have to be worried about that just came up from, from the league. So I, I think I'll talk about that today. I don't want to talk about top four. I don't talk about those ones. I just want to talk because <laughs> if I talk about those things, there's gonna be a bit of bias there. I don't want to just I don't want to just talk about that, you know. So <laughs> yeah, I'll leave that aside. So also today's episode, um, we we talk about um some new links, um, Destiny Udogie. It's a new person who was linked, who has been linked with sports yesterday. And according to Fabio Romano and Imazio, sports have often talks. I'll talk about that, that deal and I'll talk about um, why I think he could bring and who I, what I, what I think the reason could be for signing this guy or potentially signing him and what I think. Maybe I'll just get my thoughts on it. And then um, we still don't have a central back, a center back for the, for the middle, for the center side of the back three. And we still don't have attacking midfielder. And, I, and it's worrying, you know, the season's about to start and we're not hearing any noise concerning that. So, I'd like to know it. And there's um, some injuries, fears, you know, Oliver Skip and Besuma. More of a worry for Besuma, though. It's a doubt. I'll put the word doubt. You know, the word we would use was doubt for Besuma, meaning there could potentially be a chance. And um, some co- some comments from Conte also. I think it was an interview and he talked about um, um, sports challenging. He, he gave his thoughts on that. And then, um, yeah, and the Kukurela signing for Chelsea and um, Lewis Curwell and then Madison, you know, being linked with Newcastle. Basically, there's a lot of things I want to talk about in this episode. So let me know what's your time with the intro. Without further ado, I do. <laughs> Let's delve in. Okay, um, welcome to the show. Like I said, I'm going to start with Premier League fixtures for this weekend. Um, the first game is going to be Crystal Palace Arsenal, um, which is on 5th of August. And I have special interest in this game. You know for sure I have special interest in this game. Why? It's obvious. I mean, I don't like Arsenal. It is Arsenal. And I would want Crystal Palace to win this game. And also, I have like a soft spot for Crystal Palace. Um, Vieira is one of, the, one of the... Even though Vieira is an Arsenal legend, Vieira is one of all those players who you just have respect for in the game and you're happy to see a black coach doing well in the Premier League you're just happy to see him doing well in the Premier League and so that's one of the reasons why okay also, and also Crystal Palace have a soft spot for the squad they have you know I like the vibe around the squad um, Crystal Palace the, the young players they have you can look at the Bereze Olise Zaha is like the you know even though it's, Zaha is not young anymore though, but it's like this guy you know, it's not like the, the figurehead inside, like the um, leader in that side, if, if, if that's the right word to 
to use for 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 Zaha. And then looking at the new signings they made, I think they replaced um, Galaga. They couldn't get Galaga back, so they brought in who uh, I think is a new guy called Cheik. Can't remember his full name though. Sorry about that, but they signed him from the French Ligon. Can't remember the club he plays on. I can't remember the club at the moment. Was it French? It's not Rennes. No, it's not Rennes. It isn't. I can't remember the French club. I remember as I keep talking. Hopefully, I remember as I keep talking. And then you know, Tyreek Tyreek Mitchell as left back. I think right back with Nathaniel Klein last season. So they have like a really good, um, um, a really good. I won't call it a really good, and they have a lot of um, black footballers in their club, you know. So and also a lot of you know homegrown talent. So it's a very, it's a mix, it's a very cool-looking squad. It's a squad that you can like, and that's one of the reasons why I actually like Crystal Palace. And I think they will be for me the move now. We're not talking about Arsenal, right? Present results are really, really, look really good for Arsenal, and for me, I, I think it's really weird, you know, to see fans, you know acts like this then again football is a very fickle sport where people always you know they're always quick to change opinions as quickly as possible you know that's what matters to them they don't really it's it's like this that's how quickly things change football doesn't really and that's why everybody you could you could be a star you could score a hundred goals the previous game and the next game you mix you miss a sitter and you struggle everybody's gonna assume you're average everybody's gonna so that's how everything ties turn quickly now the hype around Arsenal with Arsenal fans, everybody's hyping. Oh yeah, um, there is Saliba, who's the name on the lips of Arsenal fans, and there's Gabriel Jesus. Now listen, right? I I took my now everybody's hyping Arsenal and they're talking about how they have a school. So right now they have their squad, right? Basically they potentially have, probably have the squad that they they want. So they have Zinchenko. They're able to sign Zinchenko. They're able to bring in Gabriel Jesus. They're able to bring in um bring in um. You can imagine Fabio Vieira. You know, we need to bring in players into their squad, right? This summer, this season, for this season, right? And you know, would you say they've improved their squad? Well, to an extent, you can because you know, if you look at the striking option, bringing in Gabriel Jesus as a striker for them, you know, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. He's younger than Lacazette, and they just pushed out the old guard, so it makes a lot of sense for them to bring in. So it's, I think that is one that was cool for them. And then they brought in who Zinchenko. I think for 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 Zinchenko. It does make a lot of sense, you know, for them to bring him in. His versatility is one, and you know, um, Tierney, someone who has injury problems from what from the complaints I've heard from Arsenal fans and from what I've observed. So Zinchenko also can play two positions, and they have an issue with Xhaka in midfield, who is um, who's an issue for them potentially. You know, Xhaka is, Xhaka is, I mean, whenever whenever you play Arsenal, you see Xhaka, you're always happy, you know, <laughs> because he, <laughs> it is Xhaka, right? So there's that, so could, could um, Zinchenko come in there and take him? So we don't know. But this is my thing, right? I think a lot of Arsenal fans are being carried away by precision fixtures. I really do. I, I really think they are. And although then again, it, it sort of makes it easy to banter them if everything, if when if, if Christopher has beat them. <laughs> because, so they want precision fixture. I, the, the results that stood out for me in their precision fixture, for everybody rather, you know, they, I think they beat Chelsea 4-0 and they beat... Um, Sevilla 6 0 in precision fixtures at the Emirates. Now, precision again, I've always said this, you know, and it's not like I'm saying this because it's Arsenal. I've always said this even when the season started. I said, listen, precision games are not games you take seriously. They are games you. There's, there's no points attached to it, one. So, they are games people. They, football, football managers, they use this to build fitness, to build um, different things. So, they give people a chance to look at, to see which player. They maybe say they carry a young player on on training with them, and this young player plays in the squad. With the young player plays with the plays for their 
Yes, because just to check out and see who's the next player that's on the up, who's next that's good enough. It's just it's, it's just what you used to look out. You try to it's not really what you go out there to win. Now the only precision match I will only care about. Uh, listen, I don't care about the precision match. The only precision match I will ever care about is the one against Arsenal. And that was the one that happened last season. That was the only precision feature I will ever care about. In fact, eh, even if there's no points attached, if it's against Arsenal, that's the only one I will ever care about. <laughs> I just kidding. But still, there's no points attached, nothing. So it's not really something you should care about. And it's, it's not really what you, I don't really expect players to take precision fixtures seriously because if we're being honest with ourselves, they don't, you know, nobody wants to get injured, a new season, to work up. So people don't really. Now, when I saw. Now they hyped up, you know, the results, and then I looked at when you talk about Jesus, 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 and all that. So I looked at the goals that Jesus scored. He scored a hat trick against Sevilla, and he scored two against Chelsea, if I'm not mistaken. The goals are, I think, the kind of so does that mean the kind of um, position Jesus plays is more of like um, this is similar to the one here, like a poacher kind, you know, in the box, arriving in the box, because it's not the type that's going to get you long range. So they, the way they want to play. Does that mean he's gonna get involved, but he's gonna be on the end of a lot of finishing, finishing this off? So it's, it's not the kind that will take shots from long range. You know, it's not the kind that will create things on his own. It's not. So, and and I'm seeing people saying he's gonna score 20 league goals. I'm like, whoa, that's that's a very bold prediction. You know, off of precision. <laughs> you know, and then it's it's it's. We'll see how it goes though. But for me, I don't really, I don't really think that's. I think that's a stretch. I think that's a real, real that's a real stretch. Considering the fact that you know he's going to be a starter at Arsenal, and we're going to see how they're going to fare, but I don't really, I don't really know if that prediction is something that you know you can get behind. It is what it is. But listen, what I will say is this, right? Then, sorry, on Saliba also, I looked at Saliba. I watched, I watched the high. I, I didn't watch a lot of Arsenal. I didn't watch Arsenal preseason games, but I said, okay, let me just check. Did somebody posted a compilation of um, Saliba's performance in preseason? I watched it, and I was like, okay. Um. I don't see anything special here. You know, I know I, I get it, you guys want to see him play and all that, but I've not seen anything special here. You know, the clearances I saw, they were not very they were not convincing enough, right? And then, you know, some of his the way he received the ball, the his part the way he received the ball. Now like if if you put him under pressure with better pressing, he would potentially lose the ball. I was like, I don't really know and how would he fare against strikers who were bullying him? Because in the preceding fixture they talked about Chelsea didn't really have a striker with Harvard, right? And then against Sevilla, eh. so there was really no presence. Someone like a Benteke, someone like so. I, I don't know presence is enough to really test the strengths of these players that they have. And that for me is just I, I don't. But I still think they are jumping the gun. I still think a lot of fans are really jumping the gun. I really do. But then again, it's, it's just it's just football Twitter. That's how it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Football Twitter. But yeah. So um, I think I'm done with that that whole really game. Crystal Palace game. I don't, I'm not giving predictions. I just want to talk about you know the game in general. Oh, should I give predictions? Uh, there's gonna be a bit of bias here, though. <laughs> but see, to be fair, listen, I think I think Crystal Palace are gonna win this one. I really do. You know what? Listen, I, I know yes, there's a bit of bias in this, but aside from the fact that there's bias in this, if I'm being honest with you, this is why I think so, right? Um pre- if you look at the defense of Arsenal, yes, the same prison they've looked really good. The kind of pressure Crystal Palace are going to put them on that is different from the one they were experiencing preseason, and also preseason fixtures again are not really the ones. The pre fixture, wherever you you can swap like your entire eleven and bring them on. I mean, nah, it's not something. I really think you know they're really going to get their hands full. It's going to be a real challenge, a real test. And knowing Arsenal, the way they tend to perform against teams with that kind of strike body up front, like someone like Benteke up front, someone with that kind of presence up front, and then you've got Ayu who always turns up against them. 
I don't know. I, I really do. And then the really Dimitri Pernan, there's a chance that Xhaka is going to play. Well, if Xhaka is going to play, well, it is what it is. And with Saliba, I don't know if, you know, he's the guy that they're trying to make him look like. But I will look out for that game to see. And I'll probably really look out to watch, to know what you know. But I really think Christopher has have this one. I think Christopher is going to win this one. I really do. Then that was the first on the fifth Friday night. Then Saturday, Saturday, let's go Saturday fixtures. We got Fulham versus Liverpool. And that's the early kickoff. Who beautiful to get. It's so nice to have another early kickoff again. It's so it's really, really nice. Fulham versus Liverpool. Now, Liverpool, um, this is a fixture. I think. Liverpool are going to win this easily, right? <laughs> Liverpool are going to win this. I think it's going to be like 4 0, 3 0. You know, it's really going to be a, a real. I think it's going to really be. It's going to be a real beating for, for Fulham. I really do. And we're going to see Nunez shine in this kind of game. It will shine. Potentially shine again. He's going to shine in this game. And yes, the hype will start, you know, get it. But I really think it's a fixture that Liverpool is going to win. Fulham, knowing the way they are, or every time they come back, they're like, they're like, it's like Norwich and Fulham, right? So they alternate when they come back and then they go down. And this is what I've seen Fulham. Then, yes, the Fulham made some signings, but mm, I don't know. I don't know if it's enough for them to really stay up. I mean, they are one of my favorites to get relegated. Too. I really, I really think they are one of my favorites to get relegated. But Liverpool with this one and Salah, they are Salah's favorite, one of Salah's favorite opponents. And Diaz, nah, Liverpool are going to feast. They are going to feast in this game. I, I don't, I don't think Fulham will even score. I don't think they will score a goal. I think it's really going to be a, it's going to be an, an, an annihilation. <laughs> I don't know how. Okay, four nil. I think four nil. Liverpool are going to be four nil. They've got Bournemouth models Aston Villa. Now this fixture is quite tricky for. For Steven Gerrard, um, why it's quite tricky is because you don't know the, the, now with Aston Villa last season. Yes, when Gerrard came in, they had his new manager bounce and they looked okay. But I think with Gerrard, it was just the way Lampard was is like, right? It's this kind of fixture where live they didn't re, they don't everybody knows. Listen, everybody knows um, the Premier League, uh, the Premier League, the pundits, everybody they, they sort of like Gerrard and. And um, Lampard, you know, because why a lot of them they are friends in the media. You look at Rio, Rio Ferdinand in the media. You have a lot of the ex English teammates, schools, you know. So there's a bit of there's friendship, there's a bit of relationship with these people have with persons in that media. They know each other outside. That. So criticism, even in the media, criticism towards these two, towards Gerard, it sort of would not be as intense as maybe criticism towards somebody like um Bruno uh, Marsh, Bruno Lage at Wolves or or Jesse Marsh at Leeds. It's not gonna be at it's not gonna be the same. And that's why Scott Parker is manager of Bombard though. Scott Parker is not really yeah but Liverpool Aston Villa had a lot of issues last season. I think they had a lot of issues last season that media didn't really cover. They sort of ignored it. They sort of they sort of ignored it. They sort of sort of the cupboard. But I think Aston Villa have some problems that they have not been dealt with. They've signed um Diego Carlos though but Diego Carlos He's very rash and he looks like somebody who has a lot of yellow cards slash red cards, you know, in him. <laughs> he looks he just has that written over his face. But <laughs> he has that written over his face. It's just the truth. You know, I I don't really know. I think Solan Solan I'm looking out I'm gonna look out for Solanke, Dominic Solanke. I'm gonna look out to see how he plays. And Bom Bom have this um I've not seen them play since, you know, I think we went down. Um Eddie Howie, you know, left them and now Scott Parker. So they, they're back in relief. So I I really want to see how you know they will they will perform. I'm looking forward to seeing how they will turn out in that game in that for that fixture. I really do. But um, yeah, that's my that's my turn. So I really think this game. I think it's gonna be a draw. It looks like a draw. It really looks like a draw. It does. I, I don't think Aston Villa have enough to really 
eight bomb months on the opening day and i don't really think so i think it's gonna be a draw i really do i'll say two to draw a two to draw i'm going to Leeds versus wolves now Leeds um escaped relegation by pigs ear right this was how this was how close they were to going down and i would say the reason why Leeds went down didn't go down last season i'll say it's because um the manager of Burnley, the manager Burnley was sacked was um Oh, just I keep forgetting. Him. Why am I forgetting his name now? For goodness' sake, Sean Dyche. Yeah, Sean Dyche was sacked, and I think that sort of, you know, gave, swung the momentum towards Leeds' direction. Because I felt like if Eddie, if um, if um, this guy, the Burnley manager, if he was still in charge, nah, there was no way. I don't think there because I felt like they had enough experience in them to to go up. Still, because at that point, Burnley, what they're after is you know, yes, they will pack the box, but they are, what they need is a result, right? So. The, the manager um, Sean Dash would know how to squeeze results. Now everybody like, everybody was happy that Burnley went down because I mean they're one of those frustrating teams. You're like, listen, we get it. Some people pack the bus in your bed, but packing the bus can be very frustrating. Is listen, it's a tactic. I'm not I'm not one of those persons who's going to come here and say um, it's not a tactic. It's not real football. I don't I don't really buy into that. I think it's football. Everybody plays plays to the best of their strength. Plays the way they think they would win a game, and that for me is where I feel like. You know, Burnley tried. They played to their own strength. But <clears throat> excuse me. But it's interesting to see how this game goes. I think Wolves are gonna. I think Wolves are gonna win this game. Why I think so? I think Leeds have lost two of their guys. They've lost them. Um, they, yes, they made some signings though to replace them. But they've lost um, Rafinha, who's their star, who literally dragged and dragged them to save them. And they have. They've lost um, Phillips, Kevin Phillips, to Man City. So if you look, Rafinha to Barcelona, Kevin to Man City. Now if you look at the way. You know these teams have performed. These guys performed for them last season. They are really the guys who were the most emerging, but especially Rafinha. I, we don't. Re- I don't really know the, what to expect from their replacements. You know, I don't really know what to expect. So I really think it's going to be difficult to see who, how. I don't. It's going to see how little win this game. I think Wolves will win this game. I really do. I think um, they ha- they will have enough to just see how this game and win. Then the next game is Newcastle versus Nottingham Forest. Now, Newcastle versus Nottingham Forest. It's it's very interesting. It's going to be a very, very dicey fixture for Newcastle. Now, Newcastle, yes, they have the better squad. They have good, but New- Nottingham Forest have made a lot of good signings in this summer. And listen, you know, people would say, oh, um, you're coming up, you're buying too many players. No, really. Listen, if, you, if you're coming up, if, you're, if you just got out of relegation, you just came up the league, I want you to know this. You have to be ready. So what it means is you have to make... One of the issues Norwich City always have... They always have is this right whenever they come up they do not go and make signings they and maybe it's what they want they don't make good signings to be able to stay in the league they they believe they sign here and there but they just come up with basically the same championship squad and then they sign some young up and coming talent from one league or the other but they don't really make the signings that they have to make and when they come up and then they keep getting beaten every weekend losing by cricket scorelines every weekend and by then they, they go with basically the worst defense was goal difference and then they go down inevitably and then they fight back up which i mean they are in championship now they could potentially come back next season to premier league <laughs> it's but we're not saying i'm afraid i like what they've done they've really gone out there and the players they've signed they've signed players who are proven at the top level it's not they didn't just go sign potential potential to be you no know, they went and got in players who are ready for the premier league so nico williams from liverpool i think that is a really good signing for them I think their formation, I don't really know. I think they play three at the back. I think they do. I'll, ch- I'll check and check it out. But I, I really want to watch. I'm really looking out for Nottingham Forest. They're like, when I said I mentioned teams who I think people should be worried about, I think it's Nottingham Forest for me. They're the ones who I think people should be worried about. 
they signed who? They signed um, they signed a lot of players. The ones I can remember off the top of my head. They signed Nico Williams from Liverpool. Nico Williams, Nico Williams has, is a player who has played finals, Premier League, Champions League for Liverpool. He has a lot of games under his belt, so he has experience at this level of knowing how to play at this level. Then they signed Tawa Wani, right, from um, um, Union Berlin, who scored, who was I think how many, 15 goals in 31 appearances. So he's a goal scorer. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm an Nigerian compatriot, right? I'm looking forward to, to seeing him do well in the league. So you've got him. Just where I was happy seeing and Dennis play well last season. I'm looking forward to seeing him play well this season. So you've got that guy, and then they got Jesse Lingard. They signed Jesse Lingard. So you've already got enough. Even though you got players from the championship, but you've, you they brought players from the squad who promoted them, who kept them promoted. Who was able to help them get to the Premier League? They still went and improved on what they have to make sure they stay. I think they're going to stay. I think they're going to stay in the league. I think they have, they've done well in the transfer market. You could argue that they're signing too many people, but I don't think they are. They're signing what they need to stay up. And for me, they've really gone out and spent money wisely in key positions. Because if you're coming up in the Premier League, what do you need to improve on? You need goals. You need goals to stay up. You need creativity to stay up. And they've solved those two problems with um, Awuni and Jesse Lingard. Whatever you think about Jesse Lingard is relevant, you know, like it or not, he has shown that he can play at this level. His performance at West Ham, that half of the season that helped West Ham to go ahead for the Europa League, I think that already showed you that, listen, Lingard can play at this level. Then you've got um, Nico Williams also, for experience at Liverpool. So, with the signings they've made, I, I think they've, 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 really, they've really done good business. I think it's like, it's Nicholas, Nicholas should be really worried. But Newcastle, you know, um, they've done, they... And I think it looks like they're going to carry on from their form from last season. Well, I really think it's um, Eddie Howe as manager with a set midfield trio already have with Bruno Gimares or midfield duo with Bruno Gimares and um, um, Joel Linton, right? In midfield, that's a really good pairing to look forward to next season. And then, you know, I, I can't remember who they've signed so far, but I think they have made some signings from, from not if I, if I remember. I can't remember who they signed at the moment. I can't remember. It keeps escaping me. I don't know because there's not really a team I really paid a lot of attention to. But I think they're going to be fine. Now, this game, I think it's going to be a draw. I really do. I think it's going to be a draw. I think we're going to get a draw between Newcastle and Nottingham Forest. I think we. I think Nottingham Forest are going to have enough to give them to give um, Newcastle a lot of points. Why I think so is because. Yes, Newcastle, yeah, Newcastle signs Sven Botman. Yes, Sven Botman is who they've signed. Yes. But, you know, up front is where you know, Newcastle did do have some issues up front. Um, have they solved that problem yet? Eesh, that's where the you know the issue sort of comes in. You know the problem of scoring up front. Yes, defensively. That's why I feel like it looks like a game where you know it looks like a two. Yes, Chris Wood obviously might have enough to be able to give Nottingham Forest a lot of issues with defense. But I think it's going to be a draw. Right? I think they will cancel each other out. I really do. Then um, Spurs or Southampton. Well, <laughs> this is like a revenge fixture for us, and I really want us to really go all out and win this game. Um, revenge fixture because I remember last season Southampton beat us 3-2 at home. Now the two, the goals the the why the way that we, the way we lost that game was very annoying because the two I remember we were two one up then we considered two goals the two goals we considered were very very avoidable they were defensive issues and it's going to be something that I will look out for to know if we've actually improved on crossing situations and the defense the issues you you look at um, Emerson Royal and Damison Sanchez you know in those two chances they were at fault in those two goals. And it was very annoying, you know, the way they were considered exactly the same. It was like all Southampton had to do was putting a cross in that with that same angle, with that same style. This because if you consider a goal with one one in one style, you know, one in a manner, it's one thing. But to consider it like that twice, two consecutive times, it's unacceptable. And that for me is what 
we have an issue. But with a set, potentially a setback three, um, who I think we're gonna line up. I think the, I think the with a setback to a set formation. I'm looking at where we ended last season, where we played towards in our last season, and with the team we have, I think it looks like we're gonna be having enough. It's defensively, yes, to is that what we have to look out for to know if we we are able to contain, we're able to actually deal with the Southampton team. And also, I think the midfield. What start with in that game? I can't remember who started with that midfield though. But we have like potentially a set team. So we're gonna look out to see what kind of um, team, how they would defend. That's what I'm, I'm looking out for exactly that kind of, how they will handle crosses. You know, crosses into the box, especially with somebody who has a very good crossing ability, like James Ward Prowse. And he, I think he just had a new contract with Southampton, if I'm not mistaken, though. But we're gonna look out for, and then also set position, trying to give away free kicks because James Ward Prowse. I mean, everybody knows that he's a free kick specialist, right? He's gonna be better at free kicks. He's gonna be even better because he's clearly practicing them. You know, clearly he's gonna be even better at them. We're going to look out for that one. Now, the team I expect us to line up with, I expect us to line up with 3-4-3. And Lloris is goalkeeper, obviously. Then the back three, we're going to see, um, I think on the right is Romero. Then center is um, Eric Dyer. Now, on the left, it's going to be between Ben Davis and Longley. I think it's going to be Longley. I think it's going to be Clumber Longley. I really do. Um, because Davis, is, I think he had like an injury. So, precautionary, precaution potentially means that they're going to play Longley there. And why I think it's going to be Longley is because um, the preceding fixture against Roma, Longley didn't start. Now, is it, going, is, it, is it that they're trying to protect? Now, he came on in the second half, you know, for minutes in his legs. Could it be that the manager is trying to say, okay, listen, we want to give you some minutes in your legs, but we have to be very careful so we don't lose you too because this fixture looks like it might be, this, this preceding friendly might be a bit more intense. So we want you to get some minutes to your legs because you are playing on Saturday. Could that be the reason? I think it's not be long than left side of the back. Then left wing back. I'm looking forward to this. Ivan Perisic, right? It's really written in stars for him to score in this game. I really think he's going to score in this game. I think if you look at the precision fixtures, he has looked really sharp, and his left foot looks like it has, you know, there's a, there's a there's a there's a bomb there. There's 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 a rocket in that left foot. Look at the game against Rangers, right? In the precision, because again, precision friendlies. What I look out for again, I'll reiterate this. Look out for certain performances. How players will look will look out, look in these games. That's what I look out for. The score lines don't really mean much. Mean much. Mean don't really matter to me. Don't really much mean a lot to me. Now with Perisic on the left side, I think he beat one. He, the way he beat and then he puts in a good cross in directly into the box. So it's really going to be cool to see more of that. You know, I think you know it's really cool to see more of that. Then in the game against Roma, he was putting he was putting in a lot of shots. Yes, you know, they'll be wide, but it looks like that's something to look out for. And, you know, it's something to look out for. I really think to look forward to looking at getting... I think we'll get some goals from Paris. And the fact that I can cut him on his right foot. And she's still, he's two-footed. It's going to be really dangerous for people to, to worry. It's going to be something to worry about, you know, for teams. Now, the midfield. In midfield duo, I think it's going to be Benta, Core and Hoybier. Basically, what we finished with last season. With... Um, for obvious reason now we have Oliver Oliver Skip is injured. Um the injury to Oliver Skip, I think a lot of fans are overreacting to it. I think the reason he was injured was because um, I watched the I watched Alas the Goals um YouTube um, um update of on the situation and he talked about uh, um it was like it was a, it was an awful land, it wasn't his fault. It was just and and I think a lot of and according to, from the way it was explained, I think a lot of fans are jumping onto the they're jumping to conclusion saying he's an injury-prone player when you know nothing suggests that it's just a, it's just a mistake. It was a point injury, so it's like two to three weeks out. So let's just say the whole of August is out. Maybe mid mid middle of September is when we expect to see Oliver Skip. Yeah, that's what I think we're going to see mid of August, and it's gonna be 
Interesting, but was was short was short in midfield a bit though. Because of that, because Besuma is also a doubt. I think he came with like a hamstring a hamstring um, situation, but it's like looks more like a precautionary um, substitution in that Roma game. So could he be? If it's if it's a doubt, I don't think it's something to worry about. If it's, a, if it's just a doubt, maybe he's gonna be an option, you know, to to play. If it's, if it's just a doubt, then I think it's likely gonna be it's just an option to play. It's just somebody that we we'll just watch out for to see. It's just gonna, I think he's gonna be get. He's gonna be on the bench. I really think he might be on the bench. It's not something that we expect. Maybe even if he at most gonna miss just this game, and maybe in game against Chelsea he's gonna be ready for the Chelsea game. But I think it's really something to be interested in. Something to worry about though. I hope it doesn't. It's not really a serious thing. Sure, you know our medical department. <laughs> yeah, the right wing back. This is this one is sort of this this spark a lot of debates more than it should. But I think it's gonna be doherty. I really think it's gonna be doherty. I really think it's gonna be my doherty. Um, I lo- I watched the Roma game and I saw the positions Doherty was taking up. I saw the positions um, Perisic was taking up. And I listen. I, I think a lot of fans, you know, they don't want to let go of the fact that maybe Doherty has improved. I'm not saying. Listen, I'm not saying we could, if, if we could get better, why not? But at the moment, you know, I think a lot of fans are overreacting to my Doherty. You know, a lot of you know this this thing, this theory that people, this theory of listen, when you have this belief of somebody. Of, of a player you know it's difficult to change opinions it's very difficult even if you see improvement these players are like safe good so let's just hold them let's just talk about them and let's just okay this person is the guy we're gonna hold as a scapegoat i think docker is gonna be right I, th- I, I think he's gonna be someone because if you look among all the right wing backs we have the right this right wing back is clearly the only him and spence are the only natural ones apart from being the only natural ones He's the one who has the most experience at that level, playing as a right wing back. One, remember at Wolves, Doherty was somebody to worry about. That's one. Two, um, look at him again. He's a goal scoring threat. Positions he was taking up in that friendly against Roma. I was like, okay, this is something to look out for. And with Hoiberg again, Hoiberg was we were sending up a lot of other things, you know. But I think Doherty is somebody that will be with. I think he will play in that in that position. Then the front three, I think, is set in stone. We don't have to go over them again. But let's go over them. Son, Kane, then Kulusevski. Um, even if even if um, Richarlison was available because he misses this game, he's banned for just this game. He's going to be back against Chelsea in the game against Chelsea. Even if he missed this game, even if he was going to play be on the bench, I think it would have still been Kulusevski because Kulusevski clearly um, not only has he you know held that spot down and really performed well last season. He has made sure that you know he's, he's cha- he, the way he was able to adapt to Kane and so so quickly. So he was like the creator, sort of like he, yes, creator though, but still sort of took a lot of responsibility off of Son because Son, if you check, if you check out, if you observe, Son scored, started scoring a lot, was scoring a lot when Kulusevski joined. Scored hat trick. Kulusevski assisted, you know, goals for Sonny. Son was scoring braces, hat tricks. So more like you know, Son don't really doesn't don't really have to worry more about ball carrying as much as he would. So Kulusevski was more of the one who had to worry about that. Than Son would have, and Son just had a lot more focus on goal scoring, him and Kane. So I think a lot of the partnership between Kane and Son is going to be really um, emphasized. It's going to be we're going to see a lot more of it from next season. And Kulusevski finishing last season really strongly. It's going to be a threat on that right spot. So I really think it's really something that I think that front three is set in stone. It is. It's going to look for. It's going to look for Richarlison Dobo. I think the Kulusevski spot is one he can fight for, but he can fight in general, gets minutes under his belt. But I really think it's one we can 
we can look up. So I think that's the, that's the formation we're going to see next season. Seeing that game against Southampton, I think I think we're going to win this game. I'm going for um, a three 0 win. I think we're going to win three 0 um, Southampton. Joe Aribo is somebody to watch out for. Joe Aribo is somebody to watch out for. Southampton, maybe. Well, it's coming from the Scottish league. We don't know what to expect. And then Southampton in general. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from them. I, I don't really think they have. Why, why I think Spurs win today? If Spurs play to the intensity they are supposed to play, looking at how they work themselves, the quality they have on show, if they play to their strength and everything, I think a three-nil win against Southampton is really would really is not is not really far from being a reality. Because I mean, Perisic especially, who might think you know, from left wing back, then him and Son down that left left side flank, left side left flank, and then. Um, I think the passing ability of Clomer uh, Longley is something to look at for then Romero's defensive but then again Eric Dyer might look I mean, even though we all want to implement on Eric Dyer we can't deny that Eric Dyer looked good in a back three and I, even though yeah, we agree that we need to get somebody we need somebody who could come in and I don't want him to be the only to be unopposed in that position that's where everybody have an issue but then again that's it for me that's, I, th- I think that's like talk to the start of the sports game I think we're gonna win this game three and I read you. Then on the bench, a lot of fans are worried about um Harry Winks having a spot on the bench. But I th- I was worried at first, but then I thought about it. It's not gonna it's not gonna be possible. Because Conte made it clear that Winks, Ndombele, Lo Celso, and um and Region are not part of his plans, right? They didn't travel to precision, they didn't partake in any precision fixture. So why is Wink gonna take the bench, be on the bench? How is Wink gonna be on the bench? They didn't travel, they didn't partake in any fixture, they didn't play, nothing. They were just training, training, training on their own. So it won't make any sense for Wings to make it on the bench. That's one. And two, it's not like it's like gonna be Papi Matasar. And this sort of throws up a lot of questions. This sort of answers some questions about whether Sar will be sent out on loan or throws new questions in because now you have um Winks. Sorry, you have um now that Skip is out, Sai is naturally going to be in the, on the bench. Even though yeah, he has to buckle, but he looked good in preseason. He looked okay in preseason. He looks like somebody who could be ready for that responsibility. So I think he's going to be on the bench. Even if no matter what, I think he's going to be on the bench. If Besuma is out also for that game, he's unavailable. He's like going to see Harvey White because Harvey White also travelled. So it's not. I don't think it's something that a lot of fans need to worry much about. I think I think that I think again, Bentaco and Hoybe had a really good plan. And she made to us finishing in top four last season. So. It's not really tw- that form towards the end of the season that saw us finish top four. I think the both of them are instrumental in that. I don't think there's to worry about. I really think this coming season we're really going to be... I think with that formation, I think that's what we're going to see. Now, Ben Davis could end up taking that left side spot. But I think either of him or Longley is likely we're going to see in that position. Yeah, that's my take on that game. Now, the next game here is Everton versus Chelsea. Which is the last game of, last game of the, the weekend. Um, Well... <laughs> Well, 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 knowing Chelsea's history in this fixture, Chelsea always tend to struggle in this game. This is this is like the boogie team for, for Chelsea. Everton, Everton are like, what sports are to Man City is what Everton are to Chelsea, right? It's a fixture, it's going to be a draw or Everton win this game. The last time I can remember Chelsea completely annihilating Everton was 2014 when they won 6-3 against Everton, Roberto Martinez Everton, right? But that was like the last time, if I can remember correctly. No, but he, I mean, yes, there have been odd wins there, but more often than not, I remember Everton giving Chelsea a game. Beating Chelsea 1-0, beating them 2-1, you know, drawing. Even when Chelsea, I think Chelsea were on, like, that beating run, and Everton were close to ending that run. <laughs> and Everton, and, I, and the comments made by Lampard um, last season, 
sorry, in the, in the summer when it was, I think after the preseason fixture they played, I think they lost heavily. The preseason game they lost again. I think people were overreacting. The league match is what matters, and the, what matters in the league match. With Lampard here, you know, um, there is basically not basically same squad, but I think Tarkowski is a good signing for them. I really do. Um, James Tarkowski and I always talked about you know the time I should reach I was thinking about him coming to sports that time well thank goodness imagine thank goodness we have Romero because uh, this was the first sport signed Romero do Tarkowski looked a good defender but he looked like he was somebody who was going to make that step up for free Everton have made a really good signing where we're worried about is where their goals are going to come from because they have Cavalier out for that game so who's going to play in that game up front they've lost with Charlison you know, they lost Charleston to Spurs last summer. So, obviously, a lot of financial issues they have to sort, it, sort out. So, now, where's the goal going to come from in that game? That's why it's worrying for, for Everton in this game, you know. But, again, the, yeah, they, but they signed Dwight McNeil. But Dwight McNeil, I think he had he had no assist. Last. For £20 million, pounds, that money might be... You know, it just makes you wonder if they, they overpaid for him. If you look at the service, for, the, for, the, for his statistics and for his contributions last season... We are feeling uh, it's isn't that too much of a too much, but then again, but uh, I, I think um, McNeil is quite a good signing for them. I think Takas is a good signing for them. Um, up front is where I, I don't know who they're going to play up front Saturday, and that's where there's an issue. Who, who are they going to play up front? Who's going to be the guy who's going to contribute the goals for them in that game? Because Cavalier being injured in that game is worrying for, for Lampard, and then Dele Ali, you know, um, you don't know the version you're going to get on that opening day. He has a good record against Chelsea, but he hasn't looked threatening against Chelsea. Threatening against Chelsea since um, 2018. Threatening, threatening. Yeah, he hasn't looked threatening against them since 2018. So we don't know the version we're gonna get. But if if they put in good crossings on the box, you look at somebody who can get on the end of headers. But I don't really know the version they're gonna get. Now, McNeil is probably gonna play wing back. Are they gonna play 4-4-2? Are they gonna play 4-3-1? I haven't really seen everything in precision. I don't know who they're gonna play. But Mayalenko is le- their left back clearly. Um. Is he gonna be left wing? I think it's gonna be McNeil playing left wing for them. Now is he gonna be where's Demary Gray gonna play? What are they gonna play up front? I don't know. I think we'll look at Steven. Now with Chelsea, now um we know who they're gonna play. I mean they're close to signing Kukurea. Kukurea Fabio, now this one that happened something interesting happened yesterday. Fabio Romano um talked about talked about um um being um what was I saying, sorry. Fabio Romano talked about um precision oh, what am I saying? Jesus Christ. Professor Romano said uh, Korea has signed for, for Chelsea. Here, he did the usual, here we go, you know, transfer. Here we go, his trademark, you know, statement. And Brighton came out and, you know, dispelled the rumor. It's interesting that a lot of persons were happy that Professor Romano was being proven wrong. I'm like, are you people kidding me? Do you understand that Professor Romano is probably the, one of the few journalists that, were reliable, that are reliable? Yes, there's Onstein. There is a uh, Dimazio, but aside Onstein, who do you, aside Onstein, maybe uh, McGrath, John Percy, then then there's this guy at um, Time Sports. You know, just a few odds. Maybe as a good is not really first to the news though, but he's very sure, he's reliable also. When you go around all of all these journalists, when you check out journalists who are, journalists who we know they are reliable on a global scale. I mean, for, even journalists I mentioned, a lot of them are reliable maybe just for just one particular club. One particular club, one particular team, one particular league. Professor Romano is more like, you know, global. He talks about every league. English league, Spanish league, you know. Why is everybody, everybody are looking for, like, oh, yes, Professor Romano is more like, oh, he's finally gotten something wrong. Who cares, bro? You know, you understand. And yeah, you're still camped on that, his replies, asking him for updates on your club. Who is next? 
draw it's really really weird and from around and he said we'll see we'll, we'll see who's gonna be wrong i'm like oh that's bold it's like you're taking on an entire club now listen the club's announcement obviously is very um it's very important it's more it's very very vital it's very important it's probably one to take more seriously but you know it's interesting that they did that Professor Romano is sticking to his guns and saying listen i'm right here i think i, I know what i said now doesn't mean the club cannot be wrong it could be that could it be that they're trying to take control of the situation could it be that because it's it's not impossible it's not something that you can rule out it's when you think about um Corwell, who is potentially been involved in the deal is somebody that leicester interested in and now if that is announced you know doesn't mean that you know um it leaves them vulnerable to let i don't know maybe they're trying to control the situation it looks like that it looks like they're trying to control the situation but um doesn't mean that professor Romano's um, reliability has gone into the gone into, gone into the mud i don't i think he's still very reliable somebody that we can still look and say listen this is a guy follow this guy transfer news he drops they're very accurate but that is what it is for me though but that's it but yeah but with chelsea um le- le- so even if so as it stands they're like, gonna get korea in so it's gonna be so it's gonna be chill well they're left with their back three i think we're gonna see kulibali i think i'll play a back three or a back four i do not know but kulibali playing there something to look for. now listen if you check out but the one thing people people always people need to point out right uh who do i think will give give kulibali a bit of trouble likely dimari gray um this is why i observe i know it's just two players who are very good at what they do which is salah and kulisevsky they're the ones who need, but Kulibali, you know, I looked at those features. Kulibali struggled against, is he attackers who are like shorter? I don't know how to put, put it that way, but they said they're shorter than him, but they are lost. They are quite not. I won't say skillful per se, but they are fast and they're able to beat, you know, that kind of striker attacker. So could it be that um, we're going to actually see Demarigue give him a bit of a problem in that game? Demarigue might give him an issue, give him a problem in that game. Could it be Dwight McNeil? I don't know, but. It's gonna be interesting to see. Now, it's guy gonna be a back three. We're gonna see Kulibali and uh, Silva. And he's gonna be on the right of their back three. I can't remember who they signed instead. So that's why it's interesting to see who they will sign. Obviously, Chelsea have been taking L's all summer in the hands of Barcelona. It, would, it likely could have been Kunde, but not gonna be Kunde at the end of the day. So is that we're gonna see that? Who's gonna be the right side? Is it gonna be I can't remember who has the sign at Senabago? But now Chelsea have a glaring problem, which is striker. Um, who they send as a striker is going to be interesting, but they have um, this guy up front. Um, they've got this guy up front. They're going to play Harvard. They're going to play Messi, Mount, and Sterling in the front three. He's going to play obviously Rich James at right wing back for them. Then midfield duo. Who's going to be? Who's going to, going to be? Kante and Jorginho. I do not know, but well, it's going to be interesting to see who Chelsea line up with in that game. Now I don't even know if the record Everton have is going to be con- able to. It's going to be consistent here because at the end of the day. We we have um, we have some problems. Um, we have some problems here because now Everton have you know attacking problem here, and Chelsea also have attacking problem. But Chelsea look like they have enough in terms of overall quality to be able to win this game. But again, at Goodison Park, Everton are a lot more stronger. So I don't know. I think about I will say an Everton win. I think it's gonna be like an Everton one nil win or a two two draw or a one one draw. This has a win or a draw written all over it. Let's say a 1 1 draw. I don't know, maybe Everton scoring first, then maybe missing Mount or Harvard scoring late or Sterling, any of them scoring late in the game. And then, you know, to salvage a draw. I think a 1 0 or 1 1 Everton, Everton um, game. Then on, we're going to Sunday here. On Sunday, we have Leicester versus Brentford. Well, um, Brentford took an L. Um, they lost Christian Eriksen, so who's like their creator. 
so i don't really know if they have enough however um bringing in um this guy um um i can't remember who this person i don't know why are these names escaping me i have them like they're like somewhere in my head i'm trying to remember who this person is anyways brentford got in some signings you know he has a lot of but they were to bring in some players you know for this season i think leicester i, I don't know if leicester's gonna win this game and that's why it's boring here because they are a lot worse off last than last season they were last oh yeah chelsea are chasing for fun yeah for fun is what they are chasing yeah just remember and for Fana is who they are chasing. It's gonna be interesting to see this game. I think this game has draw written over it. I think it's gonna be a draw. I think it's gonna be a draw because um not only are Leicester a bit weaker, when I say weaker in the sense that in terms of quality in terms of improvement, because they've not signed anybody, so they've literally kept the same eleven. I don't know if they have enough to be able to, you know, beat Brentford have clearly made some signings, they've improved on their squad and obviously their personnel will clearly know their system better and be clearly better at it. So I don't know, I think it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be a draw, I think it's going to be a draw. A draw or Brentford are going to likely win this game, like a 1-0 or a 2-1, I don't know, that's what this looks like to me. The Man United versus um, um, Brighton now, Brighton might need to have like a revenge, you know, of some sort, you know, in this game. They're out for revenge, and then um, now this future is gonna be interesting because I want to see if Korea plays. If Korea plays, it sort of gives a lot of uh, credibility to the room of Korea potentially joining Chelsea. That is, if the announcements have not been made before then, then um, mine entered here. Um, have they solved all their problems? I don't know. Because they got carried away a bit by the preseason fixture with Liverpool. But Liverpool winning the community shield, community shield and looking really good. They're like, okay, fine. Maybe a lot of you jumped the gun. And I, this is why they proved my point. A lot of preseason French fixtures dominating. The score like dominating is just a bit of things for fans to just be happy about. But at the end of the day, it means, it means bugger all, you know. I think Brighton might win this game. I really do. I think they, they, they might win this game. Um, I think so because I don't think United have really improved um, the squad they have in general i don't think they have i think they yes goalkeeper is still gonna be deck here the hair but they didn't get their center back target they want that's you know it's not gonna be a back four obviously they got lissandro martinez in our like that's something to look out for but with brighton if if korea play if korea is still there then you've got lamty they've got some other guys i don't know i don't know i don't know the version we'll see i'm going for a draw i'm going for a draw in this game i'm going for a draw then lastly, West Ham versus Man City. Yeah, I'm going for a Man City win. I, I, I know this sounds like um sounds very bold because everybody's thinking, oh yeah, um Man City um Haaland struggled against um Liverpool in that game. No, I really think I, I for me I think this uh, if you do not underrate Man City, underrate them at your own peril. You know, they might struggle in a certain game, but in the long run they look like they are in for they are in for the long run, to the long haul. I think Man City can I think Man City will win this game. I really do. Especially Alvarez. If Alvarez, because I think you know, Greedy struggled all game in that Community Shield match. Now with Alvarez coming into the game, Alvarez scored their equalizer, and he looked better than Grealish in that game. It's like going to be Alvarez playing on the left with Haaland playing up front. Well, you, know, you might see a different version of Man City in that game. So I really think it's likely going to be Man City winning this game against West Ham. I would go a two new away win, two new away two win, two new win. For, for Man City, that's my take on the game. So yeah, that's my roundup of the whole um, Premier League fixture. Now, before I go, um, I think I, while I was not talking, I even mentioned I talked about some last minute um, talk because while I was while I just went through the entire field, I talked about almost all the points I was going to mention. I talked about starting eleven. 
I gave some previews, and now the one thing I need to talk about two things. I talked about yeah, two things I talk about. So I talk about Madison, um, Conte's comments, and Udogi's. Now Udogi's link with Spurs, a left wing back from Udinese. A lot of fans, some fans are excited. Now nah, I don't know, never seen him play, don't know. But um, looking at Spurs' history so far, when shopping from Italian league, that look really good. So it's likely gonna be Udogi's gonna be the next one. We don't know. It's gonna be sent. It's gonna be loaned back to loaned back to. Um, to the next season, it's like, it's like going to be, and suppose I won't talk. And according to Dimazio, this the fee could rise up to 25 million euros. It's not 25 million euros, it could rise up to that amount, but we'll see. But I think sports going and getting signings that are young that could, could step up um, in the future. I think it's good to prepare for the future now because with Ivan Perez, if Perez has got just two, a two year deal, now we're going to get likely he's going to be prepared this season. Now we, we have to be ready. For Ivan Perisic, maybe he potentially if he's winding down his career, you know, wasn't ready for anything. And that for me, Ivan Perisic, that's why I think I think Ivan Perisic as a signing, you know, um, this guy is signing is like it's like a buffer. And also, could it be a potent? Could it be that sports are preparing just in case Sessegnon doesn't look good? They, they have somebody they can fall back on and say, okay, fine, we have somebody and we can sell. And so we don't know. But I, I think it's, it's not really a bad deal. I think it's a good move for Spurs to sign. And I, re- I read that he can play as a left side center, but he can play in the DM, he can play um, on, the, on the wings also. So it's interesting to see, to get that kind of versatile player. Um, yeah, so it's really good. So you go versatile in the sense that even if um, Spurs don't play back three anymore, he can fit in easily. He's not somebody who's very specific to a position. That's why I think it's, it's a good signing. And yeah, Conte's comments also. Conte's making, made some comments about... Um, Sports and you know obviously the questions pop up. I don't know why anybody's thinking sports will challenge for the league title. I, I think it's I think it's jumping the gun. First of all, if you look at the point gap between sports and Liverpool and Man City, you know, the point gap was one. Then if you look at how sports performed against Chelsea last so saying that sports will just challenge for the league title immediately. I mean, come on. I'm not gonna say that. I'm, I'm not going I'm not going to say that. I mean, yeah, we are we no, I'm not gonna say anything about that. I'm not gonna talk about that. I'm not gonna talk about it. But I think it's the media trying to create a narrative. But even sports fans are telling you, listen, I don't believe that. You know, which sports are gonna tell you we're gonna win? Most sports are not gonna tell you. And the ones who are, who are trying to act oh all disappointed and all, listen, man, you know, most of us know we, we just want, you know. I just, for me, I'll do that. Like, I'll say one game at a time. That's what I always do. One game at a time. We we'll take it one game at a time and see where sports are at. For me, I, that's how I do. There's no point looking at the long run and saying this is gonna be nah, one game at a time and then sports see how they do. But uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, and then Conte was asked, Conte was like, listen, we have a lot of work to do before we can, you know, and he talked about before we can, you know, close the gap to Chelsea between us and Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, those top three teams. Now, could it be Conte was just downplaying chances and trying to be the underdog? Could it be? Well, it's left to be seen. We'll see about that though. It's very likely that because then knowing Conte internally probably means, listen, we won't come at a time. Maybe it means that. I don't know. But it's more maybe a way of managing expectations. I don't know. But the, again, I'll say this, right? We have two more signings to make and if I will be very confident about this season. I say confident too. I didn't say anything about title or anything. I say very confident about this season. Uh-huh. I think we need two more signings. The creative position is a way to just to just kill that idea of the chance of that the, the idea of teams coming to park the boss and saying that oh we've parked the boss, no way out. We have no ideas now. I don't want that it to be an issue. I don't want that for sure again. And also centre back again. I spoke about it before. I spoke about it again. I don't want the to be the only option. And speaking of attacking midfield and creative position, Madison now doesn't beat twice from Newcastle for Madison. 40 million pounds, I think it's a second bid of about 50 or 45 million pounds for Madison. 
next um from newcastle now a lot of sports fans are saying why are sports not in this deal and obviously a lot of sports fans would it's normal for fans to be upset and saying why are we not trying to get this guy in you know what's happening listen what if it's very likely that Conte doesn't really want Madison. He was only thinking Madison fits his style. Because if you look at the system Conte plays, um, yes, there's 3-5-2, but I think it was 3-4-1-2. Then there was 3-4-3. Um, 3-4-1-2 with Inter Milan, with Eriksen behind them, Lukaku and Martinez. Then it was, um, <coughs> excuse me, 3-4-3 more. 3-4-3 with Chelsea, 3-4-3 with Spurs, last season, 3-4-3. It's going to be 3-4-3 season. So that's why on the, the Saniolo links makes a lot more sense. A lot of you would say you want to back the manager. It's, you're backing the manager now. Till the manager is linked with the player that you don't. I, again, I will say this. You are not the one that will make the selection. You're not the one who will choose the players. So what on earth makes you think that your view would be more important than what the manager wants? Oh, and how do you know it's not the manager? Well, no, everybody, every credible source is telling you that this is who the manager wants to sign. The manager is the one that is... And every transfer, the manager is the one finalizing it and saying, okay, tick, go. Yet you don't want... And then again, I, I understand again that for the past 21 years as a sports fan... For most sports fans, sports fans have always seen that. Listen, um, you you can't be that trusted, especially when you've seen this up and over and over and over and over and over again. So if somebody tells you that they've changed this time, you're like, no, we have to watch to see. So I understand they have to prove beyond reasonable doubt that the club has changed. And but with the Madison link, I understand because can he play on the right of a front three? I don't think so. So he's he's more of like he can play as an eight. He can play in the three five two as an eight. He can play. Can he play in the midfield too? I don't know in the midfield center. I don't think he, he can. But he have he can play as a ten. So on the right, he's not as good as Zaniolo is on the right of the front three. So and that's why I understand why the Zaniolo link sort of makes a lot of sense. So again, I will say this: whatever whoever the guy whoever he signs is is, is who, who I think will be cool. Now, lastly, before I go, there's Tanganga um, who could hardly be sold. Now, I think so. I'm gonna get one more center back in. Things suppose are going to get one more in and we don't know who's going to be but again i hope it's somebody who's ready to hit the ground running too because i want somebody who will challenge dyer i think we need i believe we need somebody who will challenge dyer i mean who would not just challenge dyer but can take his spot and make dyer fight for it you know that's the way to maintain good levels for players and that's just my my take on the whole thing well um thanks for listening to this episode um hopefully when i return um on monday uh, my trans my 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 um predictions came true <laughs> yeah and um, yeah we'll see about that thanks for listening and um, have a nice weekend and um yeah take care bye okay yeah this is um, a very last um, segment i think i actually forgot to include this one skip me if i don't know skip me. now it was a comment made by uh, desantis at napoli um, very, it was quite controversial, but I would say this, right? Why is it controversial? You know, and I'm not, I'm not somebody who likes to, you know, go with the, the popular narrative. I just really like to look at it from myself and ask myself some multiple questions. Now, DeSantis said yesterday that, you know, I, can, I can't say what for all the way he said, but what he was trying to say was, listen, you know, you sign African footballers and then you basically lose them in January for for some weeks, about six for the entirety of the month. You know, and you know, he's saying that he don't think he will ever sign an African player ever again, because if he signs an African player, you know, if he signs an African player, um, you could lose them at that time, and you know, except the only way we sign African players is if, basically, is if the player signs a waiver, signs like listen, I'm not going on on Afcon, I'm not going for Afcon in January. 
you know, and then people were outraged. I was like, listen, you know, before you go about calling the man a racist, this is this is too extreme, right? Look at this. If Cla- is, he has said he has said with his mouth that listen, I'm not going to sign an African player because of that reason. That's what he said. He's not going to sign an African player because of that reason. For that reason alone, he's not going to sign an African player. For that reason alone. Now, if he says he's not now he's not an African player, all of you, everybody, when when uh, NAP, when um, European clubs refuse to let players go in, go in January, you guys come out and say, oh, um, if he knew that he knew that before he signed the player, why is he signing the player? You knew that already before you signed the player, so why did you sign the player in the first place? You knew that already. Okay, fine. Somebody has come out and told you, okay, I'm not going to sign, I'm not going to sign African players because of that reason, and you're upset. You know, you would call them racist for not let's for not for you call them racist and for destroying the competition because they refuse to release players, right? African players in January, and now they come around and say, okay, fine. Since we this is the the case, we don't send African players, and then you turn around and call them racist for that. What exactly do you guys want? They've you've, you've everything you post said in January, whenever this is controversies come up, you've all see, everything you all said that period. You turn around and get upset when somebody else says, okay, fine, we're gonna. We're going to take you of your of your world. We're going to do what you want. It's one of all those things that I just find quite shocking. And listen, I understand. Listen, I understand why Afcon is hosted in January. I understand perfectly well. You know, we all know very well that weather conditions are the reason. In most part of Africa, African regions, you know, the um, the what around August, during, around the end of the mid of the Premier League season, it's rainy season. It is rainy season. It's really rainy, and it floods in certain parts. They could ruin the pitch. I mean, remember very well in Premier League seasons. You, you know very well, know very well what happens if it rains on the pitch. The pitch has water. Um, to drain it is an issue. And then if yes, and you would argue that oh, fine. What about investing in proper drainage system? That's true. But um, the other is challenges we tend to have in in our regions. Again, you look at the topography of so it's there's a reason. There's a logical reason why Afcon has been hosted there because. Around the January period, there's less rain. It's Hamatan in most part of the part of Af- most African in a lot of African countries, so it's more drier. In fact, even in, in Europe, they play football. They play. They play. Their, they host their tournaments in summer. And summer is it's even though it's it's, it's um it's hotter, but there's less rain. There's really no snow in that period. They don't play. They, I mean, we see multiple times when during league season their games are being cancelled because of snow. So even if you know how to hit the stadium and everything, sometimes there's some snow storms and weather conditions you can't play through it so it is normal because it's like saying that we should host the euros they should host the euros in um in the in the in um that the euro should be hosted in december when everybody knows that okay it snows in in december january when we know that very well it snows so i understand the reasons i'm not even against all of that i'm not against that it's logical for the afcon to be hosted then i think even the cameroon afcon was supposed to be hosted in the summer sorry I'm not going to say summer, sorry. In um, that July, August-ish, that period, then it was pushed to, it was returned back to January of earlier, January this year, because of that, you know, and and that's just it. It just happens. It's nature. You can't fight nature. Now, that's that's by the way, sir. We agree with that one. There is somebody who is telling you that I will not sign African players because of these reasons. Like you all requested in January saying that, um, if I if you don't if you knew that in the first place, why do you sign African player? I, I don't understand the reason for outrage. And for me, I don't think I don't think it's a racist statement. I, I think the word racism is just thrown at every single thing. Every single thing is thrown at every. I saw a tweet from a journalist yesterday. Um, Soles Chukwu was talking about. He was saying, listen, this is, you 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 guys are angry at them 
for for this right you spoke about african you spoke about the players you spoke about the players um you, sorry you guys are angry at him for 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 his comments but you see yet you are the same people who would say in general that um why sign an african player then if you knew this is what's going to be in, so he's telling that i don't know how i can reiterate this multiple times you get it the guy is giving you what all of you have been talking about that if you why the complaints see put yourself in his shoes right you are you are the owner of a european club you're playing football your team is playing and then you are in a Premier League title you're in a title race no no so Premier League you're in a title race your player the, the player who's instrumental to how you play instrumental to how you play instrumental to how you win in fact he's your linchpin he's your guy it could be your dm could be your striker who's banging in goals week in week out he's the reason why your your nearest rivals you know they are your nearest rivals are, are always is the reason why your rival you are you know keeping pace with your rivals and then you know your rival your rivals could say oh yeah fine their their main guy is going to the afcon generally fine within those four weeks you have a key game with your rivals you have key games to you by the time your star player goes to the afcon and comes back after a month a month then what happens oh yeah you've 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 gone 10 points behind your rival so you've you've you effectively lost a crucial title race or a relegation battle or even the top four race or champions league race or european sports you've lost all these things because of that and the funny thing was even when club and the funny thing was this right i remember in january was in january or earlier this earlier this year it was like um during the premier league season though was it earlier or last year? i can't remember when and then you know this sort of exposed the lack of. I understand it sort of exposed the lot. Of, I don't know if, if people like outrage. Everybody just wants to be a victim. I don't know, you know, of racism. I don't know. I think Klopp made it say like there's a little tournament in January. You know, it's I, there's, there's a way the way the statement was. It's, it's pure English, right? It's a statement where you know you don't. It's not a way of. It's more of like um, I don't know if what to use for it though. It's like you are um, you know that it is, but it's a funny way of trying to describe something. It's like for example, there's a little tournament, you know, where, like if, okay, let's say for example, you're thinking of something and you're ignoring, you've, you've mentioned something and then you forget about, you forget that it's an important event. For example, the next year's elections in Nigeria, okay, uh, you make plans in February, so 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 on the day of election, this is what we have this meeting, and the day you happen to set your meeting, somebody says, oh yeah, excuse me, there's a little event happening in February. That's exactly what it was. But everybody, like, oh, you have to apologize. I'm like, nah. If he had apologized, I'd have been upset at him, honestly, because it's not his, it's not his fault that people don't understand English. <laughs> it's not his. No, but seriously, it, it is just ridiculous in my opinion. I, I find it weird that we're quick to throw racism at every single thing. Oh, it's racism. Oh, it's this. It's not. The guy just told you very well. Listen, I'm going to say this. this, this. Whether he's a racist in, his, in the past before, that is your. That's irrelevant. In, at this moment, it's not. It's not relevant to that statement at the moment, because that statement is logical. Most of you, if you were in his shoes, and you had the proper investment in something, and then the investment, you had the investment, you had the important title race, important things, and the player is crucial to that. You would, and this, and multiple times where fans, some fans are trying to push a narrative that Fergie was was a racist because he didn't sign African footballers. Well, I think you are seeing why Fergie didn't sign African footballers. I'm not saying this is the reason though, but this could be it why he didn't sign African footballers. Because if you think about it, title races every single time. Imagine Fergie. Imagine uh, Patrick Evra. Patrick Evra played for Senegal, right? Played for Senegal. And every Afcon he had to leave as they as he left it was very crucial to Man United as, as a left back very crucial to them 
in their system and everything. Or imagine Ferdinand was maybe playing for an African country. Maybe Ferdinand was playing for, I don't know, maybe um, Cameroon or any of all these countries, right? And then he had to live in general. That is a crucial part of his defense. So his results, the results, so even so it makes a lot of sense why they weren't, he didn't sign a lot of African footballers. And for people to start playing races, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a way of you just weakening the world and a really serious, serious world. You're just weakening it and treating every single but every single person. You know, and it's, it's just weird to me. And another thing I want to say quickly before I go. So there was some response, right? Kulibali responded. But for me, I think the Koulibaly response um, was more of emotional. It was trying to, you know, trying to say, the city don't think about it's just him that thinks like that. Well, how do you know the city don't think like that? Because think about it. It's, it's, it's a statement that is filled with logic. You know, and Lord, the truth hurts sometimes. But if we're being honest, let's look at it from his standpoint. A lot of us have said, again, I will say this again. A lot of fans, it's always the same story. When somebody refuses to say, you knew that already. Why is anybody a lot of footballers have missed out on big moves because of that. They will tell you, oh, if a player is very good, don't worry. If, if an, as long as an African player is good, it doesn't matter. Well, it does because listen, Napoli, whether you like it or not, Napoli is one of the big, one of the big clubs in in Syria. Like it or not, whether whether they are winning trophies or not, they are among the big clubs in Syria. In fact, if you go in Syria, if you go to Syria, you mention clubs in Syria. You mention AC Milan, Inter Milan, right? You mention Juventus. Napoli are probably even more popular than Atalanta. Even though Atalanta are performing, performing really well, Napoli are more popular than Atalanta. Napoli, um, you've got um, which other team again? You, I can't remember. You see, after I've mentioned these guys, right? At, I'm thinking of another team to even mention. I can't even think of any other one. That'll show you that they are among the most popular teams in Italy, right? In, ter- in terms of popularity, in terms of what. So, listen. If, you, if you, a lot of you want to dismiss um, this, this, this is very serious. Thing. What if other, 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 other um, executives feel this way, but they may not come out and tell you. But a lot of executives probably feel this way. That listen, you know, there's no point. In general, we're going to lose them. Where's the point? And then you would say, if the player is very good, they want to sign him. Well, a player who is very good might need a platform, might need the next stepping stone, might need a stepping stone or something, right? What about that? What if what if Napoli is that club that would do that for for that player, right? What if Napoli is a player that would, what if Napoli is that club? Because if, if you play for Napoli, what if you know they they you, by playing for them you're on the next puts you on that next level. Parma is on that team. Parma is on that team, but Parma are currently they're not really as popular. Parma is on the, I forgot. Parma they are another team that's popular too. I just remembered Parma, but that's the point I'm making. The fact that I just had to take me to remember Parma just says a lot, you know. But what about Napoli at that? What if Napoli at that club? You know, the player wants to make news. Yes, fine. I, I know there are players that are very good and you have no choice but to sign. But if I'm being honest with you, you know, the comments, a lot of African footballers have, we can't deny that a lot of African footballers have missed out on moves to bigger clubs because of this. Bigger clubs than the one they are currently playing in because of this. We can't, we can't rule this out. You know, all this kind of controversy comes up every time. But, it's, it's weird, it's weird to me, though. but it's something that is very hard to do. It's very, it's just one of those issues that will just remain, you know. And whoever takes a, a deal, whoever signs an African player knows this exactly. Now there could be solutions we could talk about, like making it a four-year, a four-year thing. Because whether you like it or not, we have to. Have, we as as maybe as a football family, football continent or whatever, it's a conversation we need to have. Maybe a four-year span. Because if you make it a two-year, yeah, a two-year span is cool. Right, a two-year span is cool, but what what if they talk about moving into a four-year span, a four-year um period, so that you know that okay, these teams do the to sort of minimize the 
the impact of this on African footballers, right? Because two years is three years quite close. Yes, I know South America does they do their own two years, but their own they, they do it in the in the summer. So you know, there's that there's that each thing to consider. So it's it's something that we really really need to talk about and the the ownerships the calf as a body it's not about just coming out and putting statements and trying to frame this guy as a racist it's a serious conversation that needs to be had and what are the fine solutions around it and you you can say oh we don't have to suit um um do things to suit the europeans well technically you do why i say technically you do is because the biggest leagues are in europe right so some of our best players the reason why they are our best players in africa on Af- in the fourth continent is because they play in europe and again, you, all of you, a lot of footballers who are playing in, in, in the African leagues, even if a club in, a, in a, a club of the backers of Europe comes in to sign a player, they will happily jump on that move and run, right, to end some euros, to end some whatever. So let's let's not kid ourselves here that um, you know they don't they don't sort of have like a. I know there's a pride thing in saying we're not going to. Yes, it's true though, but. Solutions have to be around this because, like you don't know, they are, we can't even if it's not really as spoken about. There are players who are missing out on moves because of this. They are, there are players who they won't tell you, but there are players who are missing out on moves because of this. And this is also reduces their value. I remember Nabil Fekir, right? Who had the chance to play for Algeria? It was between Algeria and France. And I remember um, it was said that Olas, the French, um, the owner of um, the president of Lyon convinced him and he chose France so he got chosen Nigeria and Nabil Fekir I think he declared for Algeria then he changed it last minute changed his mind again now when you look at Nabil Fekir if he had chosen Nigeria at that time it was like Leon's guy right if he had chosen Nigeria there's a chance that he wouldn't have generated the will so it, these are things these things sort of these things come into deal when negotiating a deal for a player and that's just my my take on it anyways um hopefully it's a, something to to resolve and um, it is what it is um have a nice week bye